Thank you so much, team. Thank you, Daniel, for uh, choosing that song. And not heard that before. And especially also thank you for the Psalm 22, Psalm 23 uh, insight there. It was very, very helpful as well. Really touched by the message about, I know my Father, I know my Father. His plans that He has for us are good because He is a good, good Father, right? You know, tomorrow is birthday for a couple of people here. One is uh, Patrick Hobbs. Is Patrick Hobbs in here? Where's Patrick? Is he in here? Patrick? Okay. And... uh, and I have a birthday tomorrow, but there are different kinds of birthdays separated by a number of years. <laughs> but uh, as singing that song about I know my father, uh, tomorrow will be my spiritual birthday because it was on February 12th, that uh, Sunday night that I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And that same day, I came to find out decades later, is the day that Patrick Hobbs was born that day. So I was born again. He was born uh, on February 12th. I don't know how old Patrick is. I won't tell you that. I just know that I was born again 50 years ago (laughs) tomorrow. That's all I'm saying. So I'm not going to talk about Patrick's birthday. But I will tell you, uh, approaching in just a few hours, 50 years of the Lord's grace in my life, He is a good Father. How faithful and true. His grace is amazing. And I think I need it now more than ever. But thank God for His saving grace and for such a Father that He is. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Will you turn there with me, please? And you're turning there. A couple of things I'd like to share with you about. First of all, I forgot to welcome the guests that uh, when I first got up here, as I was promoting Pastor James's book. But if you are a guest today, thank you so much for being with us. We're so grateful. I know we've had a number of guests here in this service recently. It's been grateful and exciting to see the growth of this service and new people coming into worship and also getting connected in community. So we are so glad to have you here today if you're a guest, and I'd love to have the opportunity to meet you if I've not already been able to do that. So welcome. But also, I'd just like to say another word, maybe, to continue to give us insight and help and understanding about the mission of West Park. When we talk about uh, February being our missions month, You know, when we talk about missions, we're not talking about something that's being done way over there, okay? And we send money over there. Mission is at the heart of the existence, truly, of every church, because without the mission of God in Christ, there would be no church. There would be no believers. And I'm so grateful that this church literally has world missions in its DNA, I was uh, not present in the first service. Uh, Some people think I might have been back in 1961 when this uh, church was formed. 
But before it became a church in September of 1961, it had been a Bible study. And do you know what? Those, those seven or eight adults that were gathered for that Bible study were supporting missionaries before they even covenanted together to become a church. So when I say that missions is in the DNA of this church, it's literally in the DNA, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for us to continue to build on that foundation, and God forbid that we should ever forget that we exist because of God's mission, and we exist for God's mission. And that mission is far, and it is near. It's far and near. That's the theme for our missions focus uh, this year at West Park. It comes from Isaiah 57, 19, where God says, Speak peace to those far away and those that are near. My message of shalom, peace, goes to those who are far away and to those who are near. And we have the privilege of being involved in sharing that message of peace far and near. And I'm grateful you've already heard from Madison last week. If you were here, you heard from Lisa Newsom. Next week, I want you to know that Carmen Hefner, one of our partners, will be here with uh, a lady, uh, Rode Pina, who is from Cuba. And you are going, not going to want to miss hearing the testimony of Rode, how God is using this woman in Cuba uh, in ways that are re so remarkable. And I'm looking forward to her being here. And she's also in her ministry is a part of our missions emphasis and our missions offering coming up. And uh, excited about the opportunity of a training center being built in, in Havana with her, our participation. And so that's in uh, next week. The week after that, Jeff Sanders, Julie, who are here for 10 years now serving around the world with Live Global. He will be here speaking, and we're excited to have them back with us. And then we will have the next Sunday here sharing with you Scott Russell and Nikki, who have been missionary partners with this church for over 30 years. And uh, they've done incredible things in Spanish-speaking South America, in particular in Chile. And we're excited for this conference. I hope that you'll plan on being involved. Let me talk to you, tell you just briefly, if I can, about three gatherings you don't want to miss. First of all, men, the men's big breakfast on Saturday morning, the 24th. Uh, I hope that you'll come and plan on being a part of that and hearing and sharing with these men. It'll be a great gathering and great food, as always. Uh, I want to say to the women here, the ladies, there'll be a luncheon in this space right here on Thursday, the 29th of February at noon. There's no charge for that. It lasts about an hour and 15 minutes. So I hope all of you ladies will let us know that you're coming, planning on coming. And then please, Sunday night, uh, March 3rd, we'll have a closing banquet over in the uh, gym area. And that's always a special occasion. I think that we recognize that uh, these are desperate times in which we live and in this world, but we have the incredible light of the Lord Jesus Christ to share. And never, never, ever has this church had more opportunities for global and local impact than now. I'm so excited 
And I'm so thankful for what God's doing here uh, in West Park, our connections in our Cedarbrook with Cedarbrook Outreach, Knox Haven being formed by Pastor Al and these global partners. It's an exciting time to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want to put that encouragement into you about this emphasis this week, this month rather. Now our text this morning is found in Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to begin reading verse 24, and if you're able, I'm going to ask you please to stand, if you are able, as we're going to read God's Word, the scriptures are on the screen, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, the Lord Jesus is finishing his Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his hand on the house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, this is the word of the Lord. May he bless it this morning to our hearts. You may be seated. I want to ask you a question if two days after Christmas, just seven weeks ago, on Wednesday, December 27th, did you feel it? Did you feel it? Because Tennessee experienced an earthquake registered 3.8 on the Richter scale. Now, The epicenter of that was well over 300 miles from us to the west over near Memphis. But I read with interest how impactful that earthquake was. And it literally became, and still if you look online, is a subject of great discussion. Because... Whether you felt any tremors or not that day, I don't remember that. But whether you did or not, that 3.8 earthquake centered near Memphis was a reminder of the big one in the past. And the big one that is predicted predicted for the future. Now, when I say it's a reminder of the big one in the past, historically, the big one, the big earthquake that impacted our state, the western part of our state, also Arkansas, southern Illinois, Missouri, took place through a series of shocks during the winter and early spring of 1811 to 1812. Now, practically no people lived in that area, just frontiersmen at that time, and 
as far as settlers concerned, of course, Native Americans having lived there for centuries. But it was so significant of an earthquake that President James Madison and Dolly Madison felt it in the White House. And there is historical account that along the eastern seaboard, church bells began swaying and ringing on their own. Frontiersmen who shared eyewitness accounts said that in that region, the landscape looked like the waves of the ocean going up and down and up and down. The worst shock took place on February 7, 1812, and something amazing happened for almost one day because of the shift of the tectonic plates the Mississippi River reversed course and ran backwards. It created an 18-mile-long lake in West Tennessee called Real Foot Lake. And the waters then came back and the river began to flow southward again. Now, seismologists who estimate earthquakes, say they think that one was about a 7.8 on the Richter scale. Now, help you understand, 7.8 to the 3.8 we had seven weeks ago. This earthquake of 7.8 was 10,000 times greater in magnitude than the one on December 27th. And when you consider the energy released, it was one million times more powerful than the earthquake on December 27th. Now, according to the United States Geological Survey, there is another big one ahead in that region. Because there is a huge, huge fault line that runs through that area of the United States that is called the New Madrid Fault. To help you understand, it is 20 times larger in size than the San Andreas Fault in California. Geologists say that there is a 25 to 40 percent likelihood in the next 50 years, for a similar major earthquake in that same region. But there's something different today. 45 million people live in that quake zone. Memphis, Tennessee, metro area, has 1.3 million people living next to that. And the vast, vast, vast majority of the buildings in Memphis, Tennessee were built 
before or without regard to a potential earthquake of that magnitude. Likewise, St. Louis, Missouri. One report says that an earthquake even approaching that size again, and it is expected, not can't be predicted, said that in reality, Memphis, Tennessee, St. Louis, Missouri would become uninhabitable. Four million people in these metro cities. Now there's a great amount of info about this coming potential earthquake, the big one, and there is all kinds of documentation, there's all kinds of resources available to the people who live in that region about how to prepare for the big one. But now here, notice, Jesus calls his disciples, you could say in effect, to prepare for the big one. Not, not, a, not probable, but certain. And it's the context of judgment in which the Lord uses this. And you know if you have been following along in this message, he's, he's contrasting two doors, two ways, two roads, two people in the judgment. And here he closes his message by talking about the certainty of judgment and he compares two men, two houses, and most importantly, two foundations. Two foundations. And so this morning, what I want us to do is listen to Jesus under this, this theme, a tale of two houses. A tale of two houses. And I want us to prayerfully consider, because Jesus is speaking. He, this is not something He said long, long ago. He is speaking by His Spirit through His eternal Word and we need to ask ourselves, which person are we of these two? Which kind of house are we building? And most importantly, which of these two foundations are we building upon? We need to prayerfully, today, decide, determine, to either continue building the right foundation or to absolutely change plan, direction, and build on the right foundation that Jesus talks about in this passage. Now how I want to approach this this morning is certainly, I think, fairly simple, but I hope it's, it's very applicable for our understanding and our response. There are three realities here that I certainly... Hope will just settle with us this morning. Simple, but certain realities. Now notice, Jesus uses a different metaphor than an earthquake. He doesn't use the metaphor of an earthquake. He talks about a terrible, sudden flood. And what I want you to do just for a moment is to, if you can... Transport yourself in time 
to be one of those thousands of people sitting on the hillside listening to Jesus that day. Because when Jesus began to talk about a wise builder and one who builds on the right type of foundation and warns about the gushing water, every single person in that audience knew exactly what Jesus was talking about and no doubt hundreds of them started moving their heads and nodding with awareness. Because you see, Jesus chose this illustration because these people lived in this kind of environment. Many of you know that the land of Israel is in a, an arid climate. It does not get much rainfall for the most part. And so because of that, there are seasons when there are these dry, dusty little ravines that are called wadis. Wadis. They're everywhere over the land of Israel. And if you go there late spring, summer, into the fall, they are bone-dry, dusty. But one thing you'll find interesting, no one builds down there. Why? Because in the land of Israel, when the rain does come, many times it won't come down into the lower levels. It will come to the Judean mountains or the Golan Heights up in the northern part, or the Judean mountains in Israel, or even over into modern-day Jordan. But the water hits up in those mountains and begins to pour down the sides of those mountains, and those dry, dusty ravines become raging torrents of water. I'm not talking about streams in the desert. That's a beautiful phrase in the Bible. I'm talking about gushing, rushing, huge, unestimable amounts of water flowing through those dry wadis. And the power is indescribable. And Jesus is using that illustration It's not if this is going to happen. It's when it's going to happen. It does happen, and it will happen. And so Jesus uses that illustration as a way of challenging the people on how to respond to the Sermon on the Mount. These are the final words of Jesus in this message. If you want to know what Jesus wants you to do with the Sermon on the Mount, this is it. Now, there are three great realities that I think need to settle into our souls this morning. I want to briefly share them, but prayerfully I want to call us all to respond. The first reality is this is Reality number one, we are all building a house. We are all building a house. 
Not too long ago, I read an article about an eccentric man who has been building and adding on to his house for 40 plus years. He has more money than he knows what to do with, evidently, and he just keeps adding on room after room after room. 40 years he's been building this house. Well, I can tell you some of us have been building the houses of our lives for more than 40 years. There's some of us in here, old-timers like Patrick and myself, okay? Some of you have not been building your house that long. But all of us, regardless if it's been just a few years or whether it's been decades, we are building a house. It's the house of our life, our lifetime. The sum total of our minutes and hours and days that God allots to us on this earth. That little dash that will be on your headstone between two numbers represents the years that God allots you to build the house of your life. You see, the truth is, this has to settle on us, brothers and sisters. We're not just existing. We're not just living. We are building something. All of us are building something. We're building a life. That's what Jesus is saying. We're all building a life. And we are either using or not using the best materials and the greatest wisdom to build our life as a gift from God. Because all of our days are gifts, right? How are we building? What materials are we using? What is the foundation? What's the purpose of the life that we're building? We're building a life that consists of decisions that we make. Those decisions bring impact and Influence Those decisions, more than impact and influence, those decisions are forming a character. We are something and we are becoming more and more of something. Most significantly, we're building a life. Here, listen carefully. What we're building is being observed by God It will be measured by God. And what we are building is being recorded by God. He is the master builder. Psalm 127 tells us this. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in what? Vain. Who are building it? The Lord's the master builder. Wisdom begins with recognizing I cannot build a life myself that is really worthy of 
this father. But he will build my life. I don't want my life to be a labor that whenever it ends is vanity, emptiness, without meaning and purpose. Now Jesus here is speaking as the master architect. He's telling us here is how you build the house. I'm telling you, this is the plan. Follow this plan to build your house. He's giving us the architectural drawings and the wisdom how by His grace we can build our lives. Now He tells us nothing is more important in the building of our life, nothing is more important, he says, than building on the right kind of foundation. The foundation is the key. And that leads to the second reality I want you to observe this morning. We are all building a house. The second reality is there are only two foundations. There's only two foundations. What are these foundations? Well, notice verse 24 tells us there is a rock foundation. Jesus said he's the master architect. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Jesus is saying in effect here, here is the real wise guy. He builds his house on the rock. Now this is very important. The whole message of Jesus hinges on this. And you don't want to miss this. Jesus says, your life will have purpose, it will have influence, it will have meaning now, and meaning in the ages to come if you will build on the rock. So the question is, what is the rock. What's he talking about? Now, I want us to be very careful here because many of you knowing much about the Bible can overlook, if you're not careful, what Jesus is saying in particular here about what the foundation is. Someone may say, well, building your life on the rock is building your life on Jesus. And the answer, my friend, to that is no. (laughs) Yes, we build our lives on Jesus, but that's not what Jesus is saying here specifically. We want to specifically know what is this rock foundation. Well, somebody might say, well, it's the teachings of Jesus. He's just given us all these teachings, and if we build our life on these teachings, we know these teachings, we're, we're building on the rock, No, not necessarily. Well, some will say, well, building your life on the rock is building your life on the Word of God. And we do want to build our life on the Word of God. We do want to build our life on Jesus. We do want to build our life on the teachings of Jesus. 
But what Jesus says here is so important. Don't miss it. No matter how long ago you first learned the song, and some of you are learning it, have learned it, and you're singing it in your head right now. What? The wise man built his house upon the rock. It's wonderful we teach that to little children. But there is an eternal, lifelong principle here. Jesus said the rock foundation, listen carefully, is hearing and doing. Hearing and doing these teachings. He says, the one who hears what I have shared with you and does them, he is the wise man or woman who builds his house on the rock. What one word could we put there that Jesus is talking about? What is the one word? It's this. Hearing the word plus doing the word equals obedience. That's the mathematics of a foundation that is rock solid, secure. It's hearing plus doing that equals obedience. And it is the person who hears Jesus' words, hears by the Spirit of God's help, hears and understands what the Lord is saying, but then by God's grace determines that he will not just be a forgetful hearer, but he will be what? A do, diligent doer of the Word of God. Because as Jesus' half-brother James said, it's not the hearer of the Word, it is the hearer who is the doer of the Word, who is blessed, who prospers. What has Jesus' Word been throughout this passage? Blessed, blessed, blessed. What is the best life? What does it mean to prosper in the real evaluation of life now and forever? What does it mean to live in the best life, the prosperous spiritually and physically? It means obedience. They have to be integrated. Hearing and doing equals obedience. That is the foundation of a life of a disciple of Jesus. And here he's talking about a true disciple of Jesus. He, he's not here talking about, listen carefully, he's not talking about a special disciple. Oh, there, there's, there's all kinds of ordinary disciples, but then there's these real special ones who actually here, and then they really go do it. No. He's talking about being careful to know the difference between being a genuine disciple and a false disciple. Because that's what he's warned about through these last statements. Be very, be very careful. There's a broad road that leads to destruction. There's a narrow road that leads to life. There's, there's a broad gate that leads 
to eternal woe. And there's a narrow gate that leads to eternal bliss. Bliss. Now, a foundation like this, that is hearing and doing, it's, it is all of God's grace, but we are not just observers. We are participants. We must be involved in this. And it's not easy. It requires effort. You know, I remember many, many years ago, matter of fact, 1988, before a number of you in here were born. I was in my second year as pastor. We had this little round building, World's Fair building, and there's another little World's Fair building in front of that. My office was upstairs. There was no insulation in it. It would be about 40 in my office in the winter and about 99 in the summer. Well, finally, we were able, by God's grace, pay off some very significant debt and to build the, the first auditorium. Now, the first auditorium is inside of the existing one because we built another one around it, okay? But I, I remember two things about that. We were having uh, challenges about giving to the building over in that little round building, <laughs> And one man, he actually was one of our very faithful members. He was a, an usher. He came up to me one day, and he'd just been so hurt and disappointed over some things in the past. He said, Pastor, he said, I'll, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'll believe it when I see the footers in the ground. I, I'll believe it. And I said, okay. Let's pray about that. And so we did. And about six months after he said that, after one service, I said, hey, come here. I said, come with me. We walked across a little strip of asphalt for parking. We walked up a hill over here. <laughs> and I said to them, him, aren't those the most beautiful footers you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> he hung his head. He said, I didn't have faith. I didn't have faith. I just couldn't believe it happened. So, but now let me tell you. I sat up there, and you can imagine being a young pastor and look out my windows, and I would see those footers. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, all I saw was footers. Some guys came and dug the footers for the building, and it looked like they were going down and down and down. And I thought, okay, what's going on? And finally, you know, they, they put some rebar down there. Some cement mixers came up, poured around. I'm going, yes! And then nothing happened for weeks. And finally, I, I'm just like, come on. And then this team shows up. This team shows up to put up the beams. You've never seen a team like this in your world. You're, I mean, okay. They worked in the hot summer sun all day. Young guys. With blaring rock music. Which legalist that I was at that time really ticked me off. And sometimes worse than that, Country music. Because you can understand the words of country music. And they would work all day on these beams, and then for recreation, they lifted weights. You've never seen anything like these guys. So finally, I just went out there, and 
my great experience way, I said, hey, it just seems things are going so slow here. It just seems so slow. And the man looked at me with a look of utter disdain, which was appropriate. As I recall, he spit a little colored stuff on the ground. And he said to me, listen, preacher, you can't go high unless you go deep. And then he just walked away. And I'm sitting there like my head reverberating, duh. And I just kind of slinked back to my office and said, fine, build the church, I'll leave you alone. You can't go high unless you go deep. Well, guess what? When all those beams got in place, 30 feet above the ground, connected by a gigantic iron coupling, riveted down into the concrete, yards of yards of concrete holding those beams up. I want to tell you, there have been many services when I've been under that roof. We've had some unbelievable weather. I've been thankful for those workers who knew if you want to go high, you got to go deep. My friend, this is the point that Jesus is making. You, if you want to have a life that matters, you've got to be willing to go deep. He says, beware of the wrong kind of foundation. What's the wrong kind of foundation? It's a sand foundation. Look at verse 25. He says, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. The foolish man builds his house, he says, on sand. Now what you need to understand here, sand doesn't mean like going to the beach sand. This means topsoil. He just, he just builds on that dusty topsoil. Does not go down to the bedrock. The rock here is building our lives on obedience to Jesus. So understand, brothers and sisters, what is building your life on sand? It's building your life on anything else than obedience to Jesus Christ. It doesn't have sand isn't evil. It doesn't mean it's evil, wicked, terrible. It's just foolish. Because the storm's coming. And the only thing that is rock-like is our God. Because He is our rock, our refuge, our strength. It is building our lives on obedience to Jesus that's building on the rock. Anything else is sand. It doesn't matter the source of it. It doesn't matter how brilliant it sounds. It doesn't matter how popular it is. It doesn't matter how much support it gets in social media. If it's not obedience to Jesus, it's sand. And it won't last. Don't build your life on what will not last. It is obedience to Jesus. Now some people build with sand and it's very obvious. Their life's very self-focused, self-absorbed. People can see the selfishness. Can see their values, their morals. And say, they're all about themselves. Yeah, there's a lot of people like that. 
But that's not who Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about people whose lives very clearly are not about him at all. No. The house here looks like the other houses. The house here, the houses look the same. The difference is the foundation. The foundation. When I was in student ministry for seven years in Finley, Ohio, our church was right down the street from another good-sized church. Auditoriums were very similar in design. But over a period of years, huge cracks started appearing in the walls of the church up the street. Not a crack at all in ours. Why? Because denominational difference? No. The difference was discovered the church up the street had been built very quickly and without deep foundation. And the beautiful building started coming apart. The difference is the foundation. The foundation is not hearing. It's, it's doing. So, it's not the house. Who, who is going to be revealed? What's going to be revealed? The foundation. What can't be seen sometimes. The person who hears and does, who is genuine in their allegiance to Jesus. Any other life, it may look very religious, it may very look very moral, but if it's not built on obedience to Jesus, it is the broad road. It is the broad gate. It doesn't lead to life. It's the foundation that will be revealed by the storm. And that brings me to this third reality as we close. Number one, we're all building a house. Number two, there are only two foundations. Here's reality number three. The storm is coming. The storm is coming. Two weeks ago, I watched a documentary, very, very interesting documentary, but so so troubling about the effects of Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, Louisiana. Some of us here remember it very well. It took place, landfall on August 29, 2005, a Category 5 storm, sustained winds in excess of 175 miles an hour. Catastrophic effect. 1,833 recorded deaths. The damage in 2024 dollars, $163 billion of property damage. And the most dreadful in New Orleans. The storm pushed the water of the Gulf of Mexico into the levees. Also into the levees around New Orleans came 20 inches of rainfall. New Orleans is in a bowl. 
beneath sea level. But most of those levees were not constructed of steel and concrete. Most of them were constructed with highly erodible soil. And those levees began to give way. And most of the city was completely flooded and shut off for days. Unspeakable scenes, some of you may remember. Heartbreak beyond imagination. But listen, this is what in some ways is so tragic. For years and years and years, engineers had warned the city officials, had warned the state officials, had warned federal officials that a Category 4 or 5 hurricane directly hitting New Orleans had a great likelihood of breaking down the levees. Tragic because of so many reasons how hard it would be, how costly it would be. So many reasons that could be given. Preparation was not made. And the storm came. New Orleans has never been the same. My friend, lives of, of topsoil, not built on the rock, will not sustain the storm of God's judgment. We've been informed by Jesus. We've been warned by Jesus. But have you and are you actively responding to Jesus in obedience? Jesus warns of a storm. It's a storm of judgment. It's a certain storm. And for each one of us, it's unpredictable in timing. The question is, are you prepared? Will you be prepared? There's only two possible outcomes. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, winds blew, beat against that house, it did not fall, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. That's one possibility. But the other, verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine, and what does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Because it was built on the rock. We're told that when Jesus finished his message, there was a hush. There was an astounding Amazement at what he said. We'll consider that next week. 
We're not told how it impacted individuals. We're not told how they responded. Here's the question, dear friends. What's your response this morning? What's your response? And this response is not one of works. It's one of grace. Let me tell you the wonderful, wonderful constant reality. He that began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? So what should we be doing? God is working in us by His Word, by His Spirit. What should we be doing? Working out our salvation. Not working for our salvation, but Working it out. Because it's real. Not perfect, but real. Good time to inspect our foundation with the wisdom that comes from the Master Builder and the Divine Architect. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I pray now that as we consider what You said, Lord Jesus, and what You've given us that the Father gave to You to say, Lord Jesus, that we will, as we're about to sing, run to the Father. Lord, it is Your desire that we not be caught unawares in the storm of judgment, but that we are secure because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Lord, I pray for all of us today to run to the Father, trusting in His grace through Jesus, being safe in His salvation, but a salvation that causes us also, Lord, to build our lives day by day with active obedience to Your Word. Bring this to our hearts now in Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen.